Former White House aide and apprentice star Amoroso, whatever the rest of her name is, is seeking to prove she was unfairly fired by the administration by releasing secret tapes of her private conversations with the president. Because who would want to fire a White House aide who was making secret tapes of her private conversations with the president? Amorosa is trying to get on TV to peddle her new memoir entitled, I am a disgruntled former employee who can't be trusted and may even be psycho, but is probably just greedy and dishonest. That, that may not be the exact title, but it's something like that. CNN spokesman Winston Mendacious said, quote, this network is not going to waste our viewers time by interviewing some greedy fame hound peddling sleazy, unsubstantiated rumors that might needlessly undermine the reputation and effectiveness of the president of the United States. No, I'm kidding. Bring that sweet stuff on, unquote. Omarosa says, among other things, she witnessed Trump lying to investigators and using racial slurs while having sex with an underage prostitute after drinking the blood of virgins, then devouring a living infant with his lizard-like tongue, after which he stripped off his Trump face to reveal he was really a gigantic space alien with dripping fangs and only the slightest grasp of foreign policy. On hearing the allegation, CNN's Don Lemon issued a statement saying, quote, I knew it. Isn't this what I've been saying all along? Unquote. Trump responded to Omarosa's charges with a tweet that said, quote, this is what happens when you give a place of trust in the White House to a reality TV star with no discernible political knowledge. He's going to hire someone like Omarosa. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing it's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, we've got Sebastian Gorka coming on to talk about all the stuff that's going on in the Mueller investigation. And tomorrow is the mailbag. Tomorrow is the glorious, wondrous mailbag day when all your problems can magically be taken care of and disappear. All you got to do is go on the dailywire.com and subscribe. You got to be a subscriber. Costs a lousy 10 bucks a month. All your problems versus 10 bucks. Which do you want? Do you want to keep your problems in your 10 bucks or get rid of the 10 bucks and get rid of your problems? Go on the dailywire.com and subscribe. Then hit the podcast button. Hit the Andrew Claven podcast button. Hit the little picture of the mailbag. Ask anything you want. Ask about religion. Ask about politics. Ask about your personal problems. I will answer, and my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life for the better. <laughs> All right, let's talk first about stamps.com because, because here's why I use stamps.com. A, it's like I love having things come to my computer. I do not have time. I do not have time to run to the post office. I need the post office. I live for the post office. They do a great job, but I need it to come in through my, my computer. And stamps.com will let you access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer and the mail carriers. Pick it up, just click print mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. And the other reason I use it is because it is wicked cool. You put your things right in the printer and it comes out with a stamp. I still can't get over that. Right now, you can say, use the code CLAVEN for this special offer. Includes up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in CLAVEN. That's stamps.com. Enter CLAVEN. You can use your first letter to mail 
a letter to me asking, how do you spell Clavin? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. No E's in Clavin. You just make it look easy. That's it. So like everything, everything the left does always produces the opposite results, right? They want to get rid of racism. They make racism worse. Then they start defending their own racism. Then they just have everybody hating one another. And that's their idea of making racism better. They want to uh, make life better for women. They say, oh, yeah, if you're a man, uh, but you wear a dress, you can compete with women in the Olympics so women can't win anything. They just make life worse for women all the time. And they keep saying the same thing. They keep saying, in spite of all we've done, things are getting worse. It's because of what they do. They create the exact opposite of all their intentions. This is also true with their decades-long attempt to shut up the right. All it does is, you know, I am the opposite of a conspiracy theorist person. The minute I hear a conspiracy theory, I start to doubt it. I, I just think people aren't that smart. They're not that, you know, clever. They can't keep a secret. Also, most conspiracies, if you listen to them, there's no reason to believe them. So, I mean, the 9-11 one is my favorite uh, crazy conspiracy because you have a bunch of Muslims saying, you know, we're going to blow up the World Trade Center. Then you have them saying, we are blowing up the World Trade Center. Then you have them dancing in the streets saying, we blew up the World Trade Center. And then people say, yes, but who really did it? I mean, it's nuts. You know, it's crazy. But... But when you try to silence the right, when you take Alex Jones off the uh, social media, when you go after, now they're going after Gavin McGinnis on Twitter. Like, I can't even imagine, McGinnis is basically a comedian. He's, you know, makes all these rough jokes, but that's what comedians do. He's just doing it on the right. And now he seems to have been banned from Twitter. Bad show. But when all the, the, um, when all the news agencies are openly conspiring to attack Donald Trump, we saw uh, Thomas Friedman of the New York Times saying that we should cover him this way if we really want to hurt him. The Boston Globe is saying all oh, we should all get together and publish simultaneous editorials attacking him. When we see that the press is at war with Donald Trump, we start to think, well, if you're silencing the right, maybe how do I know which person on the right is telling the truth and which one isn't. If you're just silencing them all, it's really you who have created the conspiracy. You are the conspiracy. The left is the conspiracy. And it just gives credence to things that people are saying on the right. And right this minute, I have to tell you, I think that the truest things that Donald Trump is saying are about the Russian investigate collusion investigation. He sent out a tweet the other day. It says, seems like the Department of Justice and FBI had a program to keep Donald Trump from becoming president. If this had happened to the other side, everybody involved would be in jail. This is a media cover-up of the biggest story of our time. And this actually seems true. There is now, as far as I'm concerned, compelling evidence that Hillary Clinton's campaign colluded with high-level FBI officials through this fusion GPS to transform unproven, still unproven, oppo dirt research on Trump into this incredibly vast, unbridled, and so far unproductive Russian investigation. I mean, they keep on all the left-wing venues, CNN, The Times, you know, the networks, they keep saying, well, he's indicted so many people, but he's indicted so many people in Russia who'll never stand trial. I could do that. I could stand there and make accusations against people who can't sue me, who'll never be tried, who'll never have to prove anything. You can do that about anybody. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it, there really is nothing here and it's gone on forever and it has occupied our time, it's occupied our news stations. So let's, let's go through some of this because I, I know it's always complicated, but I do think we can boil it down to a certain amount of 
understandable stuff. Let's start, of course, with the firing of Peter Strzok. He's the guy, he presided over both the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the Russian election interference investigation. And he was, at the same time, he was texting with another FBI employee, his mistress, saying, you know, stuff like, oh, we're going to stop Trump and we need an insurance policy about against Trump. And uh, apparently, apparently Strzok was still protesting his innocence when the word came that he was out of work, we have the video. But let me be clear, unequivocally and under oath, not once in my 26 years of defending our nation did my personal opinions impact any official action I took. Yes, I This is true for the Clinton email investigation, for the investigation into Russian interference, and for every other investigation I've worked on. Yes, I it is not who I am, and it is not something I would ever do, period. You're fired. That's tough. That's, that's a, he's a tough president. You know, this is the guy, the uh, Inspector General Michael Horowitz said that his emails created the appearance that investigative decisions were impacted by bias or improper considerations and they were, that his behavior was not only indicative of a biased state of mind, but even more seriously implies a willingness to take official action to impact the presidential candidate's electoral prospects. He recommended the AG's office then goes on to the uh, guy who overlooks behavior, uh, and he recommended suspension, but the deputy chief of the FBI overruled him uh, and just canned them. And that's, that's rare. I mean, so they really were looking at this. His lawyer will give his lawyer a chance to protest. He said, uh, this is Eitan Goldman. He said that it's all political. Here is his lawyer. I don't think that you can rationally reach any conclusion other than uh, it was political. Um, Pete, along with several other employees who sent anti-Trump texts were referred to the Office of Professional Responsibility, or OPR. That's a division within the FBI that is in charge of internally disciplining agents. And um, we had a process, a normal process, where we engaged with OPR and submitted something in writing and went in and orally presented. They decided that what the appropriate punishment should be is a 60-day suspension, demotion, and signing what's called a last chance letter, which basically is a double secret probation and says that you can be fired if you do anything else wrong. Uh, that decision was overruled by the deputy director of the FBI. Um, it's something that he had the authority to do because it was delegated from the director of the FBI, but it is a uh, vanishingly rare occurrence for things to happen this way. And I, it's difficult to believe, given the steady drumbeat of text demonizing Pete from the president and uh, all the calls on Capitol Hill uh, by Republicans for Pete to be fired, that that didn't play a role in the uh, bureau's ultimate decision. His narrative is role, basically though, Trump, I this is all political. They're under pressure from Trump and Trump fired him. I'm going to answer that in just a minute. But first, we got to talk about black rifle coffee. And, the, you know, I'm a coffee guy. I'm a big coffee guy. I really can't get started to work without it. I drink it as I come on the air. It really, and I just, I used to be a Starbucks fan, but I just can't do it anymore. Black Rifle Coffee, because of all the leftist posing and all this stuff, but Black Rifle Coffee is totally different. This is founded by former special operation vets, and it delivers the best roast to 
order coffee right to your door guarantees you getting fresh premium coffee with every order and without the left-wing garbage. In addition to great coffee and gear, Black Rifle has a coffee club that makes things easy. No lines, no running out. Just great coffee shipped right to your door every month, hassle-free. And they also give a portion of their sales to veteran and first responder causes. And I've talked to these guys, and they just do not indulge in social justice warrior nonsense. So visit Black Rifle coffee.com slash Clavin and receive 15% off your order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Clavin for 15% off blackriflecoffee.com slash Clavin. And of course, everyone who wants to support the military must know how to spell my name. I don't know why, but I just made that up and it sounded great. It's K-L-A-V-A-N, blackriflecoffee.com slash Clavin. Good coffee. So, Their narrative, the lawyer's narrative is, oh, this is all Donald Trump, all Donald Trump. Jim Jordan, conservative uh, uh, congressman from Ohio, he says this. I mean, this is an incredible piece of audio. Just listen to this for a minute. I mean, the American people deserve an FBI that's not biased. They deserve an an FBI that's going to focus on the truth. Obviously, Peter Strzok wasn't that individual. And I think it's important to understand he just wasn't any old agent at the FBI. He was deputy head of counterintelligence. More importantly, he was the lead agent on both the Clinton investigation and on the Trump-Russia investigation. So you now have at the FBI, Neil, something I've never seen in any federal agency. James Comey fired. Deputy Director McCabe fired. Jim Rubicki, former chief of staff, has left the FBI. Jim Baker, chief counsel at the FBI, was demoted, then fired. Lisa Page, FBI counsel, demoted, then left. And then, of course, you now have Peter Strzok, who was demoted and now fired today. These are the six key key people at the top of the FBI who ran the Clinton investigation and who launched and ran the Trump-Russia investigation. I've never seen anything like that in any other federal agency. What Jordan is describing is an agency that has just suffered a massive scandal. People being fired left and right, top people being fired left and right. And that's why it's always important to emphasize this is not the working FBI agent who's out there busting bad guys and serving the American people. This is Obama's top level of, of DOJ and FBI people who are being shot down and fired. This is a major, major scandal what happened. It wouldn't look like this. It's not Trump doing it. It's the agency doing it. They are cleaning out After a scandal, that's what a scandal looks like when it sweeps through an agency and when they actually take care to clean things up. That's what a scandal looks like. Where is the media? And it's not that they're, you know, I mean, it's just that they're not playing it up like the big deal it is. And they start screaming, oh, Trump is undermining our faith in our law enforcement guys. These guys are being fired like crazy because it's a scandal. So what did they do? I mean, this is the thing I want to talk about just because it really does seem to me I don't want to be a conspiracy guy, but it seems to me there was a conspiracy. So let's let me just remind you of a couple of players, right? Bruce Orr was the associate deputy attorney general. So he's number four at the DOJ. Bruce Orr, he's since been demoted. I think he's a janitor now or he delivers the coffee in the morning. I'm not sure. But he was the fourth guy at the DOJ. Nellie Orr was his wife and she worked for Fusion GPS. Okay, so remember that Bruce Orr, number four at the DOJ, Nellie Orr's wife working for Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS is the company that the DNC and Hillary Clinton paid something like a million bucks to to get dirt on Donald Trump. Right. And that's so that's Glenn Simpson is the head of Fusion GPS, and Christopher Steele is the former British guy who went out and did the dirty work and got the gathered all this information. And again, of, of that dossier, which is now called the Steele dossier, 
this Fusion GPS dossier, not one major allegation has been substantiated. Not one, okay? So none of this stuff, it just it seems like oppo research that really didn't come to, come to pass. John Solomon, writing at The Hill, now has information that Simpson and Steele of Fusion GPS met secretly with Bruce Orr. And we now know that they were passing, you know, still got fired from the FBI. He was working with the FBI as well, but when he used the press too much, they fired him. But he was still passing information through Nellie Orr to Bruce Orr. So that this was going on a long time. He met secretly with Bruce Orr, passed him a memory stick, right? And there are notes, handwritten notes from Bruce Orr, which have now come, uh, come to, to Congress, the congressional oversight. And the notes that he took, at, that Orr took at this meeting with Fusion GPS, Follow the path of the Russian investigation. Here's John Solomon, the writer at The Hill, explaining this. From Bruce Orr's notes, where he's talking to both Christopher Steele and Steele's boss, Glenn Simpson, the founder of Fusion GPS, you can see every allegation that the FBI pursues three or four weeks, weeks later in Bruce Orr's notes first. They start talking about Carter Page on August 22nd. In September, Carter Page becomes a target, and in October, he becomes the focus of the FISA warrant. He is, or is almost like organizing the information in some way with Steele and Simpson, and then somehow it just keeps making its way to the to the Justice Department. I know that in general, John. I mean, I, I get that this I mean, this is like a John Le Carre story. I mean, it is a genuine spy story. But what the hell is going on? I mean, what on earth is going on? How did they lose their way? I mean, obviously, this is a, a, an agency where they got caught up in that Obama feeling. You know, they got caught up in the Obama world of an Obama future in the holy name of Obama. And they were just doing this stuff because they saw the steamroller Trump coming down the pike and they decided... When if Hillary Clinton comes in with Oppo Research, these are her people coming to them with coming to uh, the DOJ with dirt on Trump, and they're using Oppo Research to start an investigation to guide an investigation. Now, let's let's just go back to because and this is some of this is coming from uh, Lee Smith writing at Real Clear Investigations, at Real Clear Politics, which is a pretty. I, I mean, I know it's got a conservative backing, but it's a pretty uh, balanced website. He says that now when you look at this, when you see this and you see what stuff we knew before, you have to look back at this meeting that Don Jr. had, you know, this big meeting with Natalia Veselnitskaya, right, the Russian lawyer. And again, I understand this is complicated, but it's worth trying to follow it just a little bit, and I'll try and keep it as simple as possible. The Russian lawyer is also paying Fusion GPS. She wants to get dirt on a, a Russian businessman. Okay, she wants to get dirt on a Russian businessman because she hopes it will help overturn the Magnitsky Act. All right, it's a complicated story. It doesn't matter. The router thing is the Magnitsky Act. She goes to Don Jr. and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort, and she says, I've got dirt on Hillary Clinton. And she has this kind of unsubstantiated story that this Russian businessman and Hillary Clinton, blah, 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 blah. And Don Jr. listens to this, and he, it's, it's all about the Magnitsky Act, and he doesn't buy it, and he leaves. He said, maybe we'll take up the Magnitsky Act later, but we're not going to do it. This woman, this Russian lawyer, has dinner with Simpson from Fusion GPS both before the meeting and after the meeting. So it really seems entirely possible that the meeting itself might have been a setup, that the meeting itself was meant to entangle the Trumps in this kind of Russian net 
that ob- it seems obvious to me that certainly Donald Trump had no idea about any of this stuff. I mean, not, not, not that he didn't know that the meeting might have taken place, but just that the, the idea that he was calling up, you know, Vladimir Putin, which is this fantasy that they have on CNN, that he was calling, you know, Vlad, can you help me, uh, you know, defeat Hillary Clinton? That's like, it's nonsense. And it all seems to come back. It all seems to come back to this Hillary Clinton Fusion GPS, Department of Justice, Nexus, that really, really is as dirty as Trump says it is. And, and listen, you, you've heard me go off on Trump and you've heard me, my, me go off on his dishonesty and his, his bullying and all that stuff. But after all, you know, the whole thing about Obama, you know, Shakespeare said a man can smile and smile and be a villain. The whole thing about Obama was, yes, he was more classy than Trump. Yes, he was more poised than Trump. Yes, he had a better routine as president than Trump. Trump makes fun of the idea of being presidential. Obama was much more presidential. But Obama was a dirty guy. Obama ran the government like a Chicago machine. And this is the wages of that. And, and so it's the press covering it up that makes it so hard. You know, the press is picking on our old pal Devin Nunes or Nunez or Nunu or whatever his name is. They're picking on him all the time because he has been trying to get this stuff out. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about guys, you know, I am a journalist. I go to work every day trying to get at the truth. Here's Devin Nunes doing what he's supposed to do, his congressional oversight over these immensely powerful agencies. And the press is picking on Devin Nunes. It makes no sense. I mean, it is, well, it does make sense if you're just a complete arm of the Democrat Party, but that's the only sense it can possibly make. And so Nunes is caught on tape. I won't even say caught on tape. He's like talking to a Republican fundraiser and they get him on tape and suddenly the press is like, did you hear what he said? He said, we're the only ones who can clear Donald Trump. Because everyone else is trying to frame him. That's what he says. So this is the second uh, Nunes cut uh, where he says we have to keep the majority. This is cut number 11. It's like your classic catch-22 situation where, I mean, we're at a, this is what puts us in such a tough spot. If Sessions won't unrecuse and Mueller won't clear the president, we're the only one. Which is really the danger. That's why I keep, and thank you for saying it, by the way. I mean, we have to keep all these things. We have to keep the majority. If we do not keep the majority, all of this goes away. So, so all he's saying was we have to keep the majority or they're going to kill this investigation. And, and that's why, uh, you know, we have to win. And he's stirring up the Republican donors and saying that's why we have to win. And they're saying this like this is some kind of conspiracy but the, the only, I mean, this is his job. This is what he's supposed to be doing. And that he has become the enemy of the people in the minds of the press tells you something about how sick the press is. And I'll, I'll wind this up with just one thing. If, if, you, if you don't believe me on how sick the press is, we have to go back to the story yesterday about the fact that there were no right, there are no white supremacists in America. There's 20 of them who show up and all the violence, all the, the cruelty, all the meanness against America, against the police, against the press was coming from the left and Antifa. And our old friend, Chris Cuomo, has got it all figured out that it's just not as bad when they do it. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. You attack cops. You slap the media, you're in the wrong, period. But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. 
If you're a punk who comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you fight matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency between those espousing hate and those fighting it because they both resort to violence emboldens hate, legitimizes hateful belief, and elevates what should be stamped out. Thank heaven for Chris Cuomo, you know, because whenever you call Don Lemon the stupidest man on television, they accuse you of racism because Lemon happens to be brown. But thank God there's Chris Cuomo, who's just that little, just a tiny little bit stupider, I think. I mean, basically, this is what he's saying to you. If you get punched in the face by a guy who says he's against hate, it's not so bad. Don't wait. You know, it's a good punch. That's a good punch. If he kills you and one of these guys, somebody is going to get killed by by one of these Antifa guys eventually. If, If he kills you, you know, it's not a, you're, you're not just not as dead. It's, it's not as dead when you, that somebody does it. Hey, you know, it's like it's as if it's as if somebody stood in a in a white hood and burned a cross on a black family's lawn and said, I'm doing this because I'm anti-Klan. And Chris Cuomo said, see, he's anti-Klan. He's not bad. He's anti-Klan. These guys are fascists and they call themselves anti-fascists. So what? So what? And this is these are the blockheads who are reporting the news to us. Hey, by the way, speaking of blockheads, Michael Knowles. No, that's not. <laughs> that's not the next conversation is coming on Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, August 21st at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. And yes, it is Michael Knowles who was just rescued from his terrible future by our famous uh, DeLorean or whatever it was. He is back to answer your questions on the conversation moderated by our very own Elisha Kraus. The Q&A will stream live on YouTube and Facebook for everyone to watch, but only Daily Wire subscribers can ask Knowles questions. To submit your questions, log into thedailywire.com, head over to the conversation live stream to watch, type your question into the chat box to have it read and answered on the air. Once again, subscribe to get your questions answered by Knowles on Tuesday, August 21st at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, and join the conversation. Now I feel bad because I c- compared Knowles to uh, Chris Cuomo. I, I take it back. I mean, even even Knowles, even Knowles does not deserve that. All right, we got Sebastian Gorka coming up. Come on over to thedailywire.com. All right, Sebastian Gorka is a military and intelligence analyst. He's a Fox News strategist and former deputy assistant to President Trump. He's also the author of the new book, Why We Fight, which will be out October 9th on Amazon. And we will have him back then to talk about that. But let's talk to him now. You there, Sebastian? I am, Drew. I am. (laughs) It's good to hear. It was really nice to meet you face to face in Washington. uh, And I appreciated your introducing me to Don Jr. Yeah. How do you like uh, Trump international? If you're a conservative in the swamp, that's the place to be. It was great. It was. It really was like the smuggler's bar from the first uh, Star <laughs> Trek thing. Every every breed of conservative was in the place, and the hotel lobby, the lobby bar, is spectacular. I don't know what the rooms are like, but the place is beautiful. Right. No, the rooms are superb as well. Listen, before we get into serious issues, All okay? Right. 
I just need to talk about the the monologue you did on Ben and Ocasio Cortez, <laughs> and you used the phrase the kosher Casanova. I I, I want to see that cartoon. I want to see the kosher Casanova cartoon. Okay, you can, you can you can clear that with Ben, right? I did. I did. I have to say, I gave myself the rest of the day off after that. I, even I was impressed. I appreciate your noticing. Uh, so we've, we we got a lot to talk about here. I mean, yeah. this this struck firing really does start to confirm the president in his feeling that he is genuinely uh, the the victim of a conspiracy. I, I mean, I, I know you're a big defender of his, but I think you got a point here. Yeah, they. Uh, I tweeted out early today. It wasn't my tweet; it was somebody else's. But it was simply a list of all the people who have been fired for cause at the FBI, the DOJ, or sent into early retirement. And it's stunning that, that I, in the history of the Bureau, I can't think of a period, not under, uh, uh, under um, Hoover or anybody else, where in the space of less than a year, you've had a dozen or more people um, got rid of the cause. So it's, it really does vindicate what the president has been saying. And, and the latest one, the decision by the deputy director, uh, Bowditch. I know Bowditch. He's a good guy. We were in San. We were in uh, L.A. together the day of the uh, San Bernardino massacre, and when 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 we find out that he went back to the original I.G. Refi- uh, findings, and he said this guy has got to go for multiple reasons, and this is the person who was you know, running the collusion investigation. This is the person who was running the Hillary investigation. How did we get to this point where this was the man in charge of both of those incredibly important issues? And, and if, if this were an organization, if these were people who'd been appointed by Trump or even George W. Bush, oh my th- this would be a huge scandal. I mean, t- this is a, an organization, I respect the agents of the FBI, but this is an organization that is now racked by scandal. That's what an organization looks like when a scandal hits it. Everybody gets fired, and that's what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, this, this, this hits very close to me because before I, I went back into government, uh, I was traveling, I was doing 20,000 miles a month going from FBI field office to FBI field office because with my wife, we had a company that was providing uh, counterterrorism training on Al-Qaeda and ISIS to, to federal agencies around the country. And wherever I went, they'd give me a pin of the local office. The next time I traveled, I'd wear it with pride. Drew, I don't wear FBI pins anymore mm-hmm. since the last two years because a bunch, just a handful of people at the very, very top have destroyed the reputation of one of the world's, if not the world's most famous law enforcement agency. It, it is. It's pitiful. I, you, you know, explain something to me. I, I, I just, this is something I literally don't understand. I don't want you to, you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to go off on Jeff Sessions at all, but mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. The president is obviously incredibly angry about this. We heard yeah. Devin Nunes just before you came on saying if he won't unrecuse himself, what is the theory of why, why he recused himself that doesn't have to do with ethics? I mean, it seemed to me he just did it on an ethical basis, but obviously Trump feels that's not so. Yeah. Uh, I, I, look, I, 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 I told the president I wasn't going to criticize any serving member of the cabinet when I, I resigned from uh, the White House. I, I, you know, if they leave, that's fine. I, I'll spend hours talking to you about the disaster that was Rex Tillerson. But, you know, Sessions is, is still in there as AG. From my personal experience, all, all that I will say is uh, I think this man, he didn't really understand the Sisyphean nature of what he was getting involved in. 
um, and he thought this would be just like being a, you know, an AG for a state, and it's not, not after eight years of Obama. And, and then when you go into a new organization, you need people around you who you trust. And the idea that he just inherits this guy, Rod Rosenstein, who actually appointed Mueller as the special prosecutor after he failed in the interview to get back his job as director of the FBI, I think that was the biggest mistake. He, he went in there um, without the requisite understanding of the depth of the corruption. Uh, and beyond that, he, he uh, entrusted... Uh, you know, he, he trusted people around him who were not deserving of that trust. Not fair enough. I, I mean, I have to say that Republicans appoint these special counsels at the drop of the hat. I don't know what it would take before a Democrat would do. I mean, it had to be Clinton with Monica Lewinsky before they would appoint a special counsel. Obama could have done it four times. On, on that point, I think it's an awful institution. I don't care yeah. if the president is a Democrat or a Republican. This is like a... a a missile with no guidance system and and it's just it's it's out they, they have too much money too much power they always end up investigating things that have nothing to do with the original political uh, mandate they are provided so i'm not i'm not a fan of the special prosecutor whoever is the president you know bill mcgurn who i is a, a pal of mine and i i think has been really fair to trump a uh, very balanced he has a column in the wall street journal today just begging trump to declassify the documents that Devin Nunes wants and that the DOJ and the FBI are holding back. Do you think, do you think the president would ever do that? Uh, if a certain member of his legal team wasn't me a member of the legal team. <laughs> okay. So. And, and it's, not, it's not one of the people that he recently employed. Okay, okay. So he's getting advice that not to do this because, because it would just cause too much political damage? No, because th there's a certain person in, in the office of the, uh, the, the White House counsel who's, who's afraid. Yeah. who's just afraid and who doesn't understand that this, this is no longer, uh, th this is about uh, politics and Robert Mueller has turned something that should have been a judicial function into a political one. And this individual that I'm talking about is not a politician, doesn't understand Washington, D.C. And if you are a lawyer in D.C., you have to be a political animal as mm -hmm. much as a lawyer, and this person isn't. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about Amorosa. Did you, you knew Amorosa. I've seen pictures of you with her, right? You knew her. Yeah, I unfortunately bumped into her regularly <laughs> in the White House. <laughs> so she has really gone off. I mean, this is, this is the real deal. They think that once, once again, the press has got the president in their clutches. Uh, what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you make right. of this? I mean, it's, it's kind of shocking. It's a little bit shocking that she's taping stuff in the Situation Room. It's not shocking. It's a crime. It's I a mean, crime, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. As you, the, the Situation Room is actually three different rooms underneath the West Wing next to the Navy Mess. And when you walk in, there are people at the desk who run it, who are responsible for its security. And there's a whole long row of uh, lockable cabinets where you are supposed to put your phone, your laptop, any electronic device must be locked in there before you go into the, the most, these are called SCIF, Secure Compartmented Information Facilities. The, these are, this is the most important SCIF in the U.S. government outside of Air Force One. Mm -hmm. This is where the president goes when he's 
she's planning a military intervention. So the idea that this woman knowingly, there's no way you do this accidentally, walked into the most important skiff in America with a surreptitious recording device and did this, I tweeted it out yesterday. She should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, Drew. So that I noticed that they're going to sue her for violating a uh, non-disclosure agreement. Right. Yeah, but, but that's not the same thing as no. uh, yeah, prosecuting her. Yeah, you don't think that's going to no, happen? No, no, no. That's that's a civil matter. Uh, she has <laughs> been incredibly unwise. I signed an NDA when I came aboard to advise candidate Trump back back in 2015. I signed one with the, the Trump organization. I'm sure she signed a very similar one. Uh, she has clearly written a book that is defamatory, and that goes against her uh, agreement. She is in civil jeopardy with regards to that, and she is in uh, federal criminal jeopardy with, with her abuse of the classified uh, infrastructure regulations that are in the White House. Look, on the one hand, Drew, you, you have to... You have to be, try and be Christian about it. This woman needs some kind of professional help. I mean, the way the state, no, the, seriously, the statements she's making are beyond the pale. What she's saying about the president, the language she uses, the fact that just two years ago she was saying exactly the opposite. Unless she is a totally amoral manipulator and just a snake, this is a person who may have some mental issues as well that she needs to get treated. I, I have to ask you this. Uh, she's claimed she's got a tape of Trump. Uh, using the N-word, which I think would be enormously depressing yeah. as well as damaging. Do you if, believe if it? She had, if she had, the audio would already be out there. She doesn't. Uh -huh. yeah. It's a lie. Okay. It's a lie. I mean, she, she left what? She left where, when? Uh, eight months ago? The, the idea that she'd be sitting on it for eight months? Garbage. Okay. Uh, now, since I've got you here, I've got to ask you some political yeah. questions. Uh, th this, the race in Ohio uh, in the special... Um, the special election with Balderson, where he just barely pulled it out in this highly right. Republican district. I, I understand that I, even a near win is a win. I get all that. But it does seem right. that the numbers show uh, some some damage to Republican candidates, at least so far in the these uh, in the run up to the midterms. Is, is Trump bringing them down? Is that is what happening that he's alienating people with the, the all the kind of, uh, you know, obstreperous behavior? Not not the people who, no, I mean, if you look at the polling data from Pew, the people who voted for Donald Trump two years ago are still massively fond of him and support him. Uh, there was a superb piece, I think it was today or yesterday, that Selena Zito wrote in um, New York Post, where she, she just crunches the math. Special elections never reflect the state of a nation just before a midterm. If you go back to uh, 2006, the, the Democrats lost every single special election that year. When it came to the midterm, they flipped the House by 30 seats. Uh, four years later, you saw the same thing with, with the, with the uh, GOP. The Republicans lost every single special election and then took the House back. So the idea that, that a very sui generis district or state actually tells you what's going on in the nation, it doesn't really hold true. It's, it's easy for, you know, the left to draw certain conclusions, but a special election is called special for a reason. You know, when we were in, uh, the, in the, at the Trump International, there was a fellow there who you were sort of describing as a, a major observer of politics and kind of a fixer. <laughs> a fixer. And, I, and, I, I, and I asked him what he thought, and he said, oh, we're gonna, well, we won't lose the Senate, but we are going to lose the House. Do you agree with him? No, I don't. Andy's a good friend of mine. We work together in the White House, but he is a genetic pessimist, so, so no. <laughs> and, and he's being cautious. He's being cautious. But no, I, I think uh, 
you just just forget politics and, and remove from the equation who you voted for. I don't care who you are, and, and just be completely cold and clinical about the last year and a half. Who, who, who's actually produced something that is positive in the last year and a half? Is it the Democrats? Yeah. I mean, what, what what are you voting for, you know, Miss Googly Eyes? <laughs> when, when, when you're voting for the Democrats, it just there's there's no there there. I mean, there's hatred, yeah, okay, which is great with their base, but all the millions of people who have profited literally, you know, financially in the last year and a half by getting jobs, or spiritually by getting off welfare or getting off opioids or what have you, those people are not going to vote for Nanny Pelosi. Well, I mean, well, they sh- I, you know, it really, it really, if Trump were not Trump, the death of ISIS, the appointments he's made on the courts, the uh, economy, uh, yes. the guy would be on the $10 bill. I mean, he, if, it were, if he weren't Trump. And, and, I mean, and imagine, imagine, imagine if somebody had done what Omarosa did to the Obama White House. Oh, yeah, she'd have been taken apart. I mean, just imagine the yeah. frenzy. Yeah. The frenzy. She would be excommunicated from polite society for the rest of her life by the Washington press corps. All right. Last question. Uh, we've got yeah. so we've got September, October before the elections. What do you expect to see coming out of the White House in terms of policy? You're going to talk about my book. I, I, well, I want you to come back and talk about your book. When it, but there's no point in talking about it now. People will forget by October. It's already available. It's already it is. for pre-order. For oh, pre-order. for pre-order. All right. Well, why we fight? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Well, what, so what, so about what, what, what are you expecting to see come out of the White House in terms of policy between now and then? I think what we're going to see is that the most important thing, the thing that will get most oxygen, uh, is going to be the ramifications of the the deal the president signed yesterday for increased defense expenditure, what that means for uh, our capacity to be more forceful and robust around the world. And beyond that, it's getting serious about resetting our trade relations with everybody. And this isn't about trade wars because the other people started it first. When you have Canada leveraging you know, 280% uh, tariffs on our, on our milk, who started the trade war? It wasn't us. So I think that the biggest things are the continuation of the resetting of our global economic relations, and specifically within that, how we deal with a resurgent China that really is the only threat we face. I mean, we're dealing with ISIS, we'll deal with Iran, we'll deal with Russia, with North Korea. The only long-term threat we face as a nation is is a China that wishes to displace us as the force for good in the world. So I think, you know, you'll see a lot more interesting actions being taken by the president with regard to uh, China and international trade. All right. Sebastian Gorka, Why We Fight is out on uh, October 9th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon. Why We Fight by Sebastian Gorka. Thanks very much for coming on. Let's talk again. Thanks, Drew. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. We're running short. Let's uh, go right to sexual follies. old expression, which I always loved. The expression was never eat lunch at a place called Mom's, never play cards with a man named Doc, and never sleep with a woman who has more problems than you do. And I remember the first time I heard that, I thought you'd never sleep with a woman ever. But now there is a new survey of a thousand people from Germany found that men have better sex with women who are less emotionally stable. So the less emotionally stable a woman is, the better time you're going to have. So that advice is now obsolete. You never sleep with a woman who has more problems than you do. Only sleep with women who have more problems than you do. And the other thing they found was that women had better sex with men who are more disagreeable. So 
crazy women and nasty men is basically your best sex bet. That's what you know, this is. This is why you should get married, because, you know, you know, the thing about freedom is it lets you do whatever you want. But we're also nuts that we do terrible, terrible things. If you get married over time, you'll learn to please each other. You'll be with somebody you like. You won't be, you know, sitting around with a stranger. You won't be following your own stupid desires into some terrible relationship with a crazy woman and a nasty man. So, don't, you know, there's another study that came out that says we're having less sex over the last decade. This is why. This is why. Because when you have sex with anybody you want, you make terrible, terrible mistakes. All right. The mailbag. I just love that. I love that. Who do you want to sleep with? I want to sleep with someone who's nuts. You know? And if she's not nuts, I want somebody who's really nasty. That's the way, that's the way it ought to be. Ah, the human race. What a, what a, what a tragedy. All right. Tomorrow is the mailbag. Your questions answered. All the answers guaranteed correct. Go on the dailywire.com, subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month or a hundred bucks for the full year. It's nothing. It's nothing. We will solve all your problems. Hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Clavin podcast, hit the mailbag and ask your questions about anything you want. I will be here to answer them all. All your problems solved. It's so easy. It's so easy. And for a you know, hundred bucks, you can have all your problems solved for an entire year. Not a deal. All right. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin show, and we will see you again tomorrow. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Emily Jai. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.